0: We've confused what a marketing tool is, what a gift is. Okay. Like, but, you know, a marketing tool is all about the brand. It's your, it's the giver's colors. It's their name. It's their logo. It's, it's their preferences. And a gift by its very nature is supposed to be all about the recipient, their name, their spouse's name, what they love, what they cherish. And so what I love is that because gifting has gone awry, the bar is so low. That when you actually engage people, really, it's not about the gift. The gift is really just a delivery vehicle for love.
1: Welcome to The Ziegler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, we're talking about gifts. I'm not talking about giftings, as in talents and abilities, but literal gifts. But the point is building relationships, standing out. It's building social capital, as our guest is going to explain. It's loving and caring for other people. So John Rulin is our guest, and he's on the show because, well, he wowed me as he has a sea of incredibly influential people around the world. Truly, he gifted me beyond the point of just feeling, you know, I like, oh, that's nice. I probably owe him something, which is reciprocity. I really just felt known and cared for, which is the point. And, and from this, we developed a friendship and we'll do more business together and hopefully life together. I mean, hey, here I am telling the world about him for goodness sake. I brought him on folks. I brought him to you because I want you to hear his message so you can increase your success as a result. His personal story of how he came to be the most known gift giver and business producer for some of the biggest names in business is amazing. People like uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, Keith Ferrazzi, Raymond James, Keller Williams, the Chicago Cubs, even Caesar's palace. It's a tremendous list. Uh, so, The point here, though, is to help you stand out, to grow your relationships and increase your business in one of the most fun and really profitable ways ever. And it's wowing people with giving, with caring about them. Uh, when I asked John what he most wanted to impart to you, to the Ziegler audience, he said, I want to inspire people to be radically generous with all their relationships. I want business leaders to be aware that if their clients are not actively sending them referrals, they have a loyalty problem. And folks, let me tell you, he just, again, he delivers on this. He's also got a great free gift for you in a document. It's the 10 worst gifts to avoid giving key clients. Uh, this was impacting to me, kind of stepped on my toes actually, but you can get it at thegiversedge.com. Thegiversedge.com. Of course you can connect with John and all he has to offer his website, John Rulin. It's R-U-H-L-I-N.com. So hey, you're about to be intrigued, enlightened, and equipped. I'm going to begin my conversation with John right after sharing some great resources with you. Okay, folks, here then I bring you the gift giving maestro himself, John Rulin. All right. Well, John, after so many people, especially my dad saying, you've got to connect with John Rulin, here you are. I mean, I know we've had the chance to connect a little bit, but now I get to expose you to the Ziegler audience and they need to hear this message.
0: So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is this is kind of a dream come true, really.
1: Ah, well, I'm, I'm incredibly, incredibly honored. I had so much fun. I'm so inspired, actually. We're going to get into the meat of it. But uh, I want to know a little bit about you. I mean, you start the book off, your book, Giftology, with saying uh, you grew up on 50-acre farm outside of Canton, Ohio, which I know where that is uh, from my Ohio roots, with four brothers and a sister and a blue-collar family. And you cite that this gave you the motivation to make some money. I mean, so your initial drive or just to succeed really just came out of a humble beginnings, yes?
0: Yeah, desperation. I, I didn't like, you know, baling hay all summer and we had a one acre garden. We heated our house with wood. I, I was just kind of tired of the, uh, you know, long days, hot summers and uh, calluses on my hands and blisters and I uh, was looking for a way out really.
1: Well, and you also said you had some entrepreneurs and business people in your family who gave you, I assume, a comfort level with doing something different uh, than the norm. So did, was that ever, ever even a question or it was just kind of by proxy? It seemed comfortable to go out and do whatever.
0: Um, I, I mean, my grandfather was an entrepreneur, but th- that term didn't exist back then. And I didn't really know how much money he had. I knew he was successful, but he was the guy that wore Dickies, that r- ripped you know, um, holes in them and, yeah. you know, socks had holes, but I remember hearing about him buying his Lincoln and cash. And, and so like, he didn't dress fancy or act like he had money, but he was also, he ran a company, but, um, I really, my, I thought my ticket out was to go be a doctor because my mom was into health and wellness and I was going to go be a DO or a chiropractor. Cause like our, our doctor growing up was actually a chiropractor. And I thought, well, they make a bunch of money. I think they do. They seem to have a nice office and and uh, and so I I had gotten literally straight A's all through school, and was kind of an overachiever. And so I thought that was my ticket out. I didn't realize, um, you know, the the curveball that was going to get thrown. To
1: yeah. Well, and you talk about and I'm going to get into it uh, here in a second. Your story of of starting off in sales and with and with Cutco. Did you actually ever finish college? Because it sounds like this came in, took off. And I wondered, do you did you even uh, complete that?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, part of the desperation of having to pay for college was why I went and interned with Cutco, and so after I I started with Cutco when I was twenty, and um, and I decided you know I'm already this far in, even though I was skipping class to go speak at meetings and and uh, do different things, I was like I've already paid for this much, I might as well finish out, make mom proud, yeah. and um, and so yeah, I, I did finish, but I, I will say that you know for me one summer of selling Cutco was was more valuable to me than, you know, four years of a typical, you know, this is a high end liberal arts education, Christian university. It's a good school. But, uh, but yeah, my experience with Cutco was, uh, was, would dwarf that any day.
1: So I was going to ask what your degree is actually in.
0: Well, it started medical and then halfway through, I was like, I'm not going to go to med school. Like, you know, when Cutco took off, I was like, uh, what can I do? And I it basically switched it to PR and marketing.
1: Oh, nice. Uh,
0: and so it, uh, it blended well and, and uh, you know, has served me well. The the writing and being able to communicate uh, is good in any field, I guess.
1: Well, that makes sense because, uh, you know, in the story, you joined Cutco via a friend and right away set a state record in a five-state or, or set a record in a five-state region. And you said it happened out of desperation. But I'm thinking, okay, I, I know sales, though. So even if you were desperate and you called everybody on planet Earth, you still got to have some skills, some PR skills. some pr- Was that some of that natural or... Or were you pursuing that as well? Just how to, how to, you know, win friends and influence people in essence?
0: Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I, I, I started devouring books. I started devouring John Maxwell and Ken Blanchard and stuff. I think that um, because I wasn't a typical salesperson, like I would sit down and, and you know, like a typical appointment supposed to take 40 minutes. And I would sit down and make people dinner and spend three hours showing them knives. And I, what I realized very quickly I'm good at seeing the angle and I'm good at connecting with people one-on-one. Like I'm not the life of the party. I'm not the big gregarious. Like people see me on, you know, stages at Google or million dollar roundtable now. And they're like, Oh, you must be an extrovert. And what's funny is I'm actually naturally an introvert. Like I, mm-hmm. I can go and play the extrovert on stage or for a couple hours, but at parties even at home, I'll, I'll leave my own party two hours into it and go just decompress. Cause it takes, a, I love people, but I also need my alone time. And so I think that, you know, the reason I did so well with Cutco is I started to realize my early mentor, Paul, the attorney was a rainmaker. And when I pitched him the idea of giving away Cutco and he comes back to me and says, I don't want to give away pocket knives. I want to give away paring knives. I realized I'm going to start asking for all business owners. Because if, if they're like Paul, they, they have disposable income because he had bought a set for himself and his three daughters that weren't married. So he dropped three grand on knives as my third appointment. Yeah. And so I think that his belief in me and he literally said, "John, I love the product. I love what you're doing. My parents thought it was crazy." So I had early on, fortunately, a mentor that you know was that radically generous person, was always giving things away. And he believes in me. He buys knives, and then he comes and buys a hundred paring knives to give away to all of his top clients. So he dropped five grand on top of that and said, "John, um, I want you to start passing these out to all the people you're going to meet with, and whether they buy or not, tell them Paul wants them to have a piece." Wow. So they, he, early on, he he taught me the transfer of social capital. Like he was, he was not only referring me people, but he was literally sending me with a gift to, to bridge the gap and make me feel comfortable and confident. And of course, everybody you give a gift to this, you know, from Paul, like they all started to buy. And so I, um, I realized early on, like, it really wasn't about the knife. Paul was teaching me these lessons Of how to drive referrals without asking on how to build the relationship on ahead of time on how to pour into people's inner circle and just crazy stuff that Mm -hmm. as a 20 year old, I was just soaking it up and realizing like, this is this isn't being taught in textbooks anywhere. And so, um, so yeah, I think it was an open mindedness to it. It was, you know, I was fortunate really to have, you know, some of that early support network.
1: Well, here, I'll have to give you something with your description of yourself as being, you know, you do what you do on stage, but then needing to decompress. So I interviewed Chalene Johnson recently, and she said she was an outgoing introvert, which I just adopted because that's me. I mean, I can turn it on, but then I'm going to go decompress by myself. So if that fits you, you can take that to outgoing introvert. Wow. I had never heard about that. I, I, I loved it.
0: I like that term that, that describes me to a T. All right, I'm there not- you
1: go. We'll join our club together and you can join, you can, you can come on board. Well, you I mentioned you. the term social. Social capital—you kind of rip that off there real quick, and I'm sure some people heard about, you know, heard that and have some questions. Uh, define that a little bit for us, social capital.
0: Yeah, well, I think that um, anytime somebody makes an introduction to somebody else, they're using social capital because they're basically saying, "You're, you know, I, you, know, you trust me, you like me, you believe in me. I've developed this relationship, and I'm going to transfer that trust, that likability." And give some you know get tell somebody else that, that they're that you're worth their time, and so I think in business that's a huge thing that people undervalue they don't understand they don't know how to use it, they don't know how to build it up um, they don't know how to be respectful of it and and what's too much to ask you know relative to trust and relationships and so um, Paul was somebody, not as, as like a sales tactic, like he was always you know like he was always giving things away and just loving on people, and because of that, like he had you know bank accounts of social capital with people. And he would never ask to cash it in like they would like, feel this reciprocity. And I saw that in him. I saw when he was 60, he was still sending handwritten notes to people not to get a referral, not to get a deal like he was just loving on people. And I, I saw him as somebody like I'm like, I want the type of relationships, the type of social capital that he has. When I'm 60, I want to be him. And, uh, you know, ironically, like he had three daughters, I have three daughters, like, I don't know if it's like, God just blessed <laughs> me, or like, I'm like, you know, like, you know, what, what's going on there. But, I, but I, I remember thinking at 20 years old, I'm like, he's never in a hurry. He always has time for people. Everybody loves this guy. He has referrals coming out of his ears, like more deals than he could possibly handle. I'm like, you know, he would take a three hour lunch with me like, a you know, like, just lowly, like 20 year old college kid. I'm like, man, that's the kind of dude I want to be like, that's who I, I, I just and I, I think I've always been that way, even when I was like, you know, 18, 16, like I was always hanging out with people two and three and four times my age, because um, I've just always gravitated towards that wisdom. And so yeah, for me, social capital was was paramount. I, I learned it very quickly.
1: Well, so you've mentioned him and I wanted to ask about that. It's a big part of your story is this guy, this man, Paul Miller, as a successful businessman, uh, a mentor, and he really introduced you, it seems, to this idea of gift giving, and you took that influence and ran with it. And to me, it's interesting that to him, it may have just been a, it was just a part of business. You know, he has this big business. That's a significant part of it. You saw that and it was massive. And it reminds me of that reality that often what comes natural to us, we minimize and we think it's normal, which maybe he did. And yet to you, it was profound. And now you have claimed this space. Um, and I'm, I'm so grateful that it stood out to you.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that, no, no question. I think even to this day, like there's certain things I do where people are like, how, you know, like that's a big deal. And I'm like, no, that's just like how you operate. Yeah. And for Paul, yeah. like he was just, I, I call it radical generosity. Like that just was like a core value for who he is. But I think I realized when I saw other business owners, you know, that struggled to get referrals or struggled to get deals or struggled to open you know doors, Paul was not that, that way. And so I, I, I've always been able to kind of view things from that angle and be able to say, wow, that's special And I'm going to package that up because I don't I don't know, you know, like we made up the term giftology, but I don't know that anybody's ever really talked about like, you know, for Paul, all of his relationships were actively loyal, like they were all looking to be advocates for him. Most people have passive loyalty, they don't really have like, they don't realize they have a loyalty problem. And so I I think for me, yeah, as a 20-year-old looking in, I was like, "Oh my gosh, like that is special. I'm going to take that, run with it." And for for a time being, I thought it would just be for college. I was hopeful that it would last for college and then after a while, when I started to get into pro sports teams and stuff, I'm like, there's nobody on the planet teaching this. Like, there's a lot of sales trainers, a lot of gurus, a lot of whatever, but like the idea of using gratitude as a competitive advantage I'd never seen.
1: Well, so on that, just to, to hit on your personal story still, I mean, you, yeah, you get into, get into school, you start doing this to pay for it right away. You're doing well. And today, I mean, you, you're just expounding, expanding on that. Was it just a straight run of success from you from the get go?
0: No, no. I, well, I, I'll say that um, the first couple years, it was fu- funny is the first I landed Paul as a client, he, he starts buying knives and using them as this tool to open doors and build generosity and relationship reciprocity. And so that, that was awesome. I set this record. But then I started to think every business owner is just going to latch on and buy a bunch of knives. And what I realized very quickly was that that was not the case. Like I, I realized very quickly that like most business owners don't give two rips about a knife and don't give two rips about just being generous. Like they want an ROI, and so the knife I realized very quickly was just a delivery vehicle to to cause a referral or a deal to open or retention or whatever. And so I started to t- tweak how I was presenting it. And in fact, I stopped. I dropped the whole Cutco on my business card altogether and, and formed Ruling Group mm-hmm. back then because I realized if I called somebody and said, "Hey, I got this great idea for you. Um, I'm going to come sell you a bunch of knives," you know, like the CEO is going to, you know, hang up. But if I send them a carving set in the mail with their name, their seat, the wife's name, and put a little handwritten note inside with their logo on it and said, hey, carve out five minutes for me. I promise it'll be worth your time. I started to land these massive meetings. Yeah, I'm sure. $200 million companies. And, of course, the CEOs are, like, bewildered. And they're like, are you here to sell me knives? Like, I thought you'd be, like, a seasoned sales executive, like, 55 years old. And I'm 21 and like, the one suit I had. And I'm like, no, I'm here to help you and your thousand sales reps do exactly what I did to you, to your top 10,000 relationships. And so it took a couple years for it to build, but I was smart enough to say like, I need money to live on. So I just started to ask for all business owners. And so I, I would sell them a set for themselves. I'd build the trust in the relationships. So they drop a thousand or 2000 or $4,000 on knives just for their own personal use. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, 12 months later, a year, you know, a year or two later, I would go back to them with a, a couple pieces with their logo on it, their name on it. And I would present it to them as a gift. And just as, you know, at, at the very least it was thanking them for the business and them believing in me. And they would be like, Oh my gosh, like this is way better than the turkey or wine or crap that I've been, you know, swag. Yeah. And so we, we, it was a longer term play. Um, but I, I, I was able to, to, you know, to do relatively well without having to land the corporate deals right off the bat. Yeah.
1: Okay. For disclosure, I gotta, I gotta say, you know, my dad, Dan Miller, everybody knows him 48 days. He sent me, uh, John's book, uh, which is an incredibly beautiful book. Uh, it black, it looks beautiful. It comes in this leather type looking bag. It's impressive. Sent it to me. And as a negligent son, I did not dig in. So months later (laughs) I get, I get the package and I think I was at home and one of the kids, they always ask, you know, I get stuff at home all the time. They say, can I open it? Dad? Sure. They open up and they pull this knife out with, with my name on it, you know, customized for me and my wife, what on earth is this the best gift ever? I was totally floored, which is the point. There's the point. That's what we're getting into. And that I picked up the phone. You and I talked for heck an hour or more, I think. And yeah, talk about an open door. I always say that the Ziegler name opens every door for me, but man, a grave hand engraved knife is, is profound. It just knocks your socks off.
0: It's so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's what I realized early on. I, I, I was fortunate to intern with Cutco because people are like, even 18 years later, they're like, what's your, you know, like, what's the hot gift? And I'm like, Cutco knives. And they're like, but you did that 18 years ago. Like, is it like still like you still sell knives? I'm like, we sell millions of dollars in knives. Because the, the humanity of a relationship it doesn't matter if you're selling widgets, financial services, doesn't matter if you're a million dollar business, a $20 billion company or a pro sports team, like, it all, I, I say, I always ask the question, I'm like, does your business involve people and human, you know, human relationships? They're like, yeah, I'm like, are, then giftology, the knives, all that works, because you're dealing with yeah. people and like we all cook or are foodies or have families and all those sorts of things. So um, it, it boils down to some very, very simple things, and it's fun to see. It never gets old. I let my love language yeah. is words of affirmation. Uh-huh. I never get it. Never gets old seeing people's responses.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to ask about the knives specifically in a minute, but you just mentioned love languages. So, I mean, who doesn't know at this point of Gary Chapman's book, The Five uh, Love Languages? Five languages of love. Uh, you know, gift giving is one of those five in my experience though, I would say there's probably less emphasis on that in our culture, in the business world. And as we even talk about personality profiles, there seems to be less focus on that. And, uh, when you talk about gift giving, you know, people think about birthdays and Christmas and it's usually the, at least from the parental standpoint, it's like, oh my gosh, or the spouse standpoint, what am I going to get? It's not thought of, it seems like it's been. Uh, devalued somewhat. So when I say that, when you look at what you're doing and the results that you see that you're getting and yet see where our culture, does it seem like we've kind of gone awry with the whole gift giving mentality?
0: Yeah. Well, we've confused what a marketing tool is, what a gift is. Okay. Like, you know, a marketing tool is all about the brand. It's your, it's the giver's colors. It's their name. It's their logo. It's, it's their preferences and a gift by its very nature is supposed to be all about the recipient, their name, their spouse's name, what they Mm. love, what they cherish. And so what I love is that because gifting has gone awry, the bar is so low Mm. That when you actually engage people, really, it's not about the gift. The gift is really just a delivery vehicle for love, for mm. respect, to make somebody feel VIP. Like We all like, have heard the quote, like nobody remembers you know, what you said or whatever else. They remember how you make them feel. And oftentimes, you know, referrals and deal flow and, and partnerships, they all come down to, do I like that person? Do I want to engage them? Do I enjoy mm. them? And how does that person make me feel? And so what I love about the, your question is that most people, because they discount it, they don't put any effort into it. It makes the handful of people that do it really well, stand out so far and above everything else that it's become like a secret weapon to be able to engage people really differently.
1: That's great. It reminds me what I talk to my kids about in the aspect of how to win friends and influence people is they, they want to stand out as, as kids or young adults just have the handshake say thank you smile it's so stinking easy and so i hear you saying that right now and thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show Okay. So let's talk about gifts specifically. you talked a minute ago about ROI, return on investment, and you mentioned radical generosity and you talk on this on your book, but I want to hit it head on here. We obviously have a lot of, well, and I got to say too, and I'll pull this out here in a minute that I have done it. Um, I haven't done it so well, according to your book and I get it. I get it. So you're, you're schooling me. But so many of us feel like it is just kissing up. Of course, you know, you give a gift because you want something, uh, or you give a gift because somebody did something and I'll, and I'll disclose that one. So I've been, I think I told you this when we first talked, I, uh, we've been given gifts here at our, we have a high end medical practice and, you know, referrals worth a lot. And we, uh, we give a, when we get a referral, we ask where every patient comes from and we send a gift for the referral. So it makes sense. One, so we're doing it not as a surprise. We're doing it because we got something, so we feel reciprocity. One, and then two, we've been doing a consumable. We've been doing a uh, a uh, high end uh, restaurant gift certificate thing, something that you know they use it once and it's and it's gone. Obviously, so we violated it, you know, twice. But just to, we'll come back to those specifics here. But just on the the feeling that people have of okay, a gift giving that's so I'm just kissing up. They know that I am. It doesn't feel authentic.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that um, if you give something and you expect something immediately in return, then yes, it is a bribe. It's, you're trying to manipulate. If you give a gift and similar to what you do, like with a handwritten note or taking somebody out to dinner, if you're doing it with the long-term relationship in mind, obviously we're all in business to make a profit. We all hope that you know, from a biblical perspective, faith perspective, or just how the world's wired perspective, we all know that like we reap what we sow, that there, you know, some people call it karma or whatever you want to call it. Like when you love on people, like it comes back oftentimes tenfold, but you don't know how it's going to come back, when it's going to come back. And so I think that people can tell the intentions. Mm. Are you trying to manipulate them? Are you trying to honor them? Are you trying to honor the relationship? And that's why we don't recommend gifts after referrals is that you turned it into a transactional I, relationship. Yeah, I hear you. Which is the last thing nobody wants to be in a transactional business. We all say relationships matter, and so when you use it as a way to honor somebody, as a way to love on people, and you literally like people will say like, "John, I remember when you sent me this gift five years ago." I'm like, I don't even remember because mm-hmm. I don't keep track. I love on people the right way, the right relationships, and then I let things happen. And because of that, it, it you know sometimes it's a hundred x return, but mm-hmm. sometimes like you know, the Cubs took me seven years to land as a relationship and as a client, seven years of giving. So I'm okay with, you know, like the funnel being wide and big and, and building the relationship for the long haul. Cause I'm not going anywhere. Well, so give for the
1: average. I mean, so here at the Ziegler audience, we have people who own big corporations. We have people who are solopreneurs. So we run the gamut. And as we're all listening to this thinking, okay, if you're not doing it for a specific aspect of reciprocity, you know, cause the person did X, Y, Z, is it just totally spontaneous out of the blue for, are you looking for a no reason?
0: I try to lay out. So for our relationships, I, I budget between five and 15% of net profits to reinvest back into my relationship. So a lot of the wow. gifting we're doing isn't on prospects. It's net profit to, to do three things. One is to keep the relationship, to grow the relationship and to inspire them to become my sales force. When people are loved on in a certain way, guess what? They do want to re- reciprocate, but I don't hold it over their head. Say
1: the, just, re- repeat those three again. I, didn't, I wasn't quick yeah. enough. I want everybody else to hear it too. Say it again.
0: Yeah. So to keep them, so to retain your clients, like most people have holes in their bucket. They don't realize it. Yep. And, and once you get somebody in the door, that's when most people take advantage. It's like a marriage where it's like, I married you. And I said, I loved you back when we got married. <laughs> it's like, no, like you court your wife continually. Right. So you got, you want to retain them. It's huge, like massive. And uh, you want to grow them. So most accounts have the potential to grow or across divisions, you know, that you want to grow that relationship, that grow that account. And the third is the, is the secret sauce. When you love on people, when you're a world-class organization in every other way, and on top of that, you put the cherry on top of the sundae and you still love on people and treat them like gold, they're inspired to want to become your sales force. So I don't have any sales reps. I have thousands of clients. Some, some of them are CEOs of billion-dollar companies that have become my sales force. And they, when they're ha- golfing with people, when they're ha- having a glass of wine at the bar, guess what they're talking about? Yeah. They're talking about me and giftology in all of these settings. And so literally, like we get overwhelmed with too many, I don't want to say too many referrals, but we literally can't handle sometimes the inbound of leads because all of our clients have become salespeople. And so when we're looking at a reinvest, most people are like, oh, how much do you spend on prospects? I'm like, I haven't sent a cold gift in a long time. A very long time. So the $400,000 budget, my personal budget for gifting, most of them are doing are going to our warm market, and I'm cultivating them for the long term to become my sales force. That period end of story.
1: Goodness. Okay. And obviously, it pans out here. That's where I'm having you on the show, exposing you to a zillion people because I was impressed. And, and you know, I've got businesses right now. So I went to, and yeah, here's shameless promotion folks. I went to ruling uh, this morning to ruling group, R U H L I N com, And you see, have got a little video there that talks about this, the essence of this message right here. And I gave them my information because I want to get set up for, I've got three different businesses I have in mind right now to, so I can have these gifts going out, uh, methodically. And, and again, just walking this out because I know that, I mean, we all know we should know. I was taught early on that the most profitable person to go after is the person who's already bought from you. I've got so many people out there. And instead of going out here and buying Google ads or Facebook stuff, or, you know, ads on even a podcast like my, my, my own to go back to the people I have and to take care of them, to love on them. I love your statement on there is something that I got to admit. I think I just taken for granted. I really have.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the challenge is, is that most people have never been taught the right way to give a gift. And yeah. if they, um, or so they, they either drop the ball and they cut corners, they don't put a handwritten note, they send a bottle of wine, they send a gift card, which is actually one of the most thoughtless gifts on the planet. They, or they, they cut corners, or they, they try to do, they send out stuff with a logo on it, or they don't do it at all. They say, it doesn't matter. I'm just, it's easier to host an event or a trade show or the Facebook ads or whatever else. And so really what our firm has been doing for the last 18 years, the you know, ruling group, is we take, you know, if somebody sends us the relationships, we can pick the gift for them. We can handwrite the note. We, they, we can outsource all of their gifting for them because most people, if, you know, it's one thing to send one gift to your spouse, you know, year round. It's a whole nother thing if you have dozens or hundreds or thousands of relationships that are important to you how do you pick the gift? When do you send it? Like, Mm -hmm. what should the notes say? Like most people get caught on one of those hurdles and then they just put it to the back burner and they feel grateful, but they never actually take the opportunity to put it into action with any sort of system. And so that's really what the giftology system is, is saying, you know, you should be saying thank you year round, not at Christmas. Like that's the worst time to send a gift, by the way, like my gifting budget, 400 grand, not a penny of it, not a dime. I, well, I send, that's like a black hole because it's out of obligation and I'll I'll give gifts to my three daughters, but I'm not sending a gift in business because I want to put a dollar in and I want to get $10 out over the next 10 years. And um, if you want to do that, it has to be a surprise in the light. It can't be out of obligation.
1: Okay. So you just talked that, put a dollar in, get 10 back. So talk to us about the return on investment. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, the lifetime value of a client, because, Again, we've got all gamuts listening to the show right now. We've got somebody who is an early on solopreneur who's thinking, man, I can't spend five bucks for a gift. I can't afford it. Or we've got the corporate person over here who sends out, yeah, 500 gifts, 5,000 gifts. And they're thinking, there's no way I can do that. You know, we've got budgeted. We max out at $15 and 49 cents. That's all we can budget. So talk to them about that. And again, I got to hold it up. I mean, I don't know what the value is of what you sent me, but. It got you something I can give for free. You're, I'm talking. Our folks needed this message, so tens of thousands of people are going to hear this. Lord knows how much you'll make on that, and you got it for pennies on the dollar for what the gift is. So you just walked it out. But I still understand the entrepreneur's dilemma of looking at it and go, man, how can I do a hundred dollar gift for everybody out there?
0: Yeah, well, it's it's doing. Um, a lot more for a lot fewer people. So if you can afford just to do one gift for an advisor or a mentor or an investor, then do the one gift and spend $300 on it. And so our rule of thumb is what you should spend. Most people spend either too little or too much. Um, and, and oftentimes they're, you know, when people are hiring us, they're redirecting money that's not being utilized. You know, a lot of people have a travel and entertainment budget. They're, I have some clients that spend millions of dollars on trade shows and they don't really, they break even. I'm like, imagine if you took 10% of that budget of that 5 million bucks and invested it into your top 1000 relationships, most people's gifting budget is lame because they've never been taught what a gift should cost. So our rule of thumb of what a gift should be is it's not a trinket in a promo swag item. It's not a Louis Vuitton bag for 20 grand, whatever you'd spend on a nice dinner out with a bottle of wine, round of golf, ball game tickets, Broadway show, you should be willing to spend on an artifact, something that you're going to give that's tangible to your most important relationship. They create that tangible trigger for, and what's cool is if it's tangible and it's lasting, if they use it once a day, like your knife for the next 10 years, that's 3,600 impressions. Mm -hmm. And most people measure their advertising based upon cost per impression, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's like a a normal term. Most people, they send a $50 bottle of wine, like, oh, we got off cheap. I'm like, you got one impression for 50 bucks. I spend $300 on a couple knives and they think about me 3,600 times. Like those impressions literally cost me pennies. And that's not even including who they're going to talk to me about and all this other stuff. And so most of our gifts are in the hundred to a thousand dollars per per gift touch point. Price. Okay. Like that's the. And so it's not a bribe, it's not a trinket. It's that it's towing that line of tension of saying, how can I give a thoughtful artifact? How can I have somebody say, wow, I can't believe John was thinking about me. I can't believe that this company, this pro sports team, was thinking about me. And so it's not about spending the most amount of money. It's about how can I flip the, the equation and say, what should I be investing in those relationships? And oftentimes when you look at the value, the lifetime value of a relationship, even without the referrals, it's a, I mean, it's a drop in the bucket.
1: Well, and I'm sitting here thinking about, I have have no idea. I'm I'm blessed to have lots of stuff sent to me and how many of them matter. So I'm going to think about through your book here. And one, you talk about this dead on. I feel so bad about the brand new t-shirts and hats and different paraphernalia I've thrown away uh, or given to Goodwill. I usually take them to Goodwill with the company's logo emblazoned Big in front on it, and I don't care. I mean, do we get messed up with that because we do see people touting a Nike check mark or Adidas or uh, you know, Tommy Hilfiger or whatever? And do we get messed up in that? And then we go and send out our company, like for us, if I send you a t shirt and it says you know, Ziggler on it, that means nothing to so many people. And yet, if I took even our tagline, you know, inspiring true performance or something like that, that I could do a little bit better job on than the logo. Um, We're obviously killing ourselves with that one to begin with.
0: Yeah. The rule of thumb is is, is, ask yourself the honest question, adding this mark, adding this logo, adding this slogan, does it add value or take value away from the product? And oftentimes, or is it neutral? So if you're Harvard, you can probably get away with it. What's funny is the more affluent up the, the chain you go, the more you see people wearing unbranded things. Like it's like, you know, like I wear Lululemon a lot sure. and Roan and whatever else. They're they're a you know, billion dollar brand and still their logo is this tiny on it. Yeah. So even when we work with the Cubs or the Spurs or some of our big, you know, like huge corporations, I'm like, put the logo as small as possible. My, my thing is, is that if you give a gift, like a, a handmade knife or custom US made leather portfolio that costs a couple hundred dollars, if you give an, a true artifact, you'll never forget, like I didn't put giftology on the knife, yet you uh-huh. would think of me subconsciously one to three times a day because of the quality and the personalization. And so you, you end up defacing uh, and women are really, you know, their attention to detail. When, when a woman gets something and she sees a logo on it, she's like, that's tacky. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to use it around friends and family. So you think you're doing this great marketing and branding ploy, but what you're really doing is the person who gets it's like feels icky because you're trying to turn them into a billboard for you. What's interesting is if you make it all about them, they will shine the light back on you and they'll talk about you at the dinner party because they're going to use the knives that have the logo or no logo, just their name on it. And it, it becomes a thought jogger and a trigger for them to bring you up around these other inner circle type people. And so it actually does more branding and marketing good to make the gift all about them and wait for the flood mm-hmm. of goodwill to come back.
1: Yeah, I'm looking here. I have a Nalgene bottle on my desk from one of my past companies. And what does it have on the front of it? Our logo, big and bold as ever. (laughs) And who likes it most? Me. (laughs) Me. And and yet I'm looking around my office and what logos do I have showing? I have none. But behind me, there is a uh, coffee mug there that says nothing on it, but the dude abides. It comes from a line in the Big Lebowski. And, uh, and Christopher Lockhead sent that to me. He has, we interviewed him. He has the show legends and losers, uh, podcast. Uh, But yeah, it's intense dude. And I talk about him. I've talked about his book, play bigger. And now he has his new book niche down and you can hear me. I'm sitting here promoting him. And what's on the back that reminds me every day is that I also have a piece of redwood with a picture of my family, uh, that a friend of mine took and he had it, uh, he had it put on this piece of redwood, put it on a frame and it's sitting up here. And it, it is, uh, uh, Brett trout and his company is mountain man soap. That's the soap I use. And that's why I'm now promoting to you because he sent me that thing. It doesn't have his name on it. It doesn't have his logo on it. And it's so obvious. And yet we violate it constantly because I'm thinking about how many times I've done that and how much stuff I get. So, you know, I'll, I'll I'll put it out there. I have, I have a lot of, uh, folks that I've interviewed here on the show who, as when we, when we secure the interview, they send me all the stuff, you know, their books and their paraphernalia. It's so very, I can't think of any of it that I've kept other than the book because the paraphernalia just has their logo. What am I going to do? Go put their name on my car but we all do it. It is, it
0: is. Billions of dollars get wasted on that. And they think that it's marketing. It feels good. It feels good to say like, Hey, I got this business. I got that. I'm going to put my logo out there. I'm going to get it out. And if you're, you know, if you're the Cubs and you want to give away 20,000 t-shirts to the masses, that's fine. But when you're dealing with your top 20, 30, 40% of your relationships, even your employees, like Mm. I don't put ruling group or giftology. Like I treat my interns with a gift with their name on it. And guess what? Like we don't have trouble finding employees because we don't like, we love on them the same way. Like we don't want to make it all about like the brand. Cause then it's not a gift. It's a promotion. It's a swag item. It's okay. a work thing. And uh, so yeah, simple concepts. So hard to follow.
1: So what are some companies that, cause we, you know, you talk about the Cubs and you talk about some of these big companies that make sense. Who are some companies that you work with that your group works with that we would not think of as somebody who would be doing high-end gifts that's doing them to great success, but it's just a run of the mill type business that we wouldn't, uh, tend to put in this same basket.
0: Yeah. So we have, um, lumber yards. I remember a lumber yard had three, four employees. They're taking care of, you know, home builders and people that mm-hmm. buy lots of lumber, you know, not a, not a real sexy business, not real flashy, but they, they, you know, they've, loved giving things out like this because it takes care of not only the, the executive, oftentimes it's a guy. A lot of the industries that we're in, you know, oil and gas, financial services, like I just spoke and keynoted at Million Dollar Roundtable. It's all these small businesses. There's a bunch of financial advisors and insurance agents that, um, you know, a number of the guys that brought us in, they were clients and they saw the impact of their, you know, they had affluent clients, clients that are you know, buying big insurance policies or clients that are, you know, might have a million dollars invested with them and they might have, let's say 200 clients total. So it's not like, it's not just for the Googles in the, you know, the huge Fortune 500s of the world, although we do work with them. My sweet spot is when working with small companies because they're going up against the 100 pound gorilla and they can't outspend them with ads. They can't outspend them at events, with trade shows. So they need to invest a dollar and get $100 impact And so they come to us and say, John, like we have these really trusted relationships. They might be 20, might be 200. And whether it's a financial advisor or a widget manufacturer, at the end of the day, like it all comes down to what I talked about before, which is the humanity of the relationship. And, you know, all things being approximately equal, we do business with people that we like. Mm -hmm. And so um, I love small business, EO, YPO, Vistage. Like I speak all the time to those groups because, they're, um, you know, they're five, 10, $20 million companies. And, um, and I resonate with that. Cause I, you know, I bootstrapped this business and had to figure out how to do it. At, and I didn't take any outside capital. And so I get when they're like, Hey, we don't have an unlimited budget. What can you do here? I'm like, I get it. I understand. Like let's, let's start small. Let's work out this for, and then we'll show you some results and then you can grow.
1: So you have made a claim to fame with cut-go knives, literally. And, uh, obviously that speaks to me, well, you, you mentioned it a minute ago. I, I'm, I cook every single night for anywhere from, you know, eight to 20 people. And so I use those knives, man, they get high mileage for me. So not everybody's a cook, but they do a little bit, but my uh, experiences, even those that don't it's almost kind of like having a, you know, a decoration. You want to have a nice looking set of knives and a cutting block. I've seen those in people who I know they don't cut, they don't cook at all. They need to give me their knives. Uh, but you know, so, so I get that now there are some people though, who you've, you've outknifed them. You got to do some other things. What are some other, give us another uh, kind of a list of some top tier types of gifts. You called them artifacts, uh, beyond just the knives as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the knives are still number one, because I can take a $10,000 set and break it into chunks and create this continuity program for 10 years. But there are people like literally like a Cameron Harold who I did the Brooks Brothers experience, $7,000 for his hotel room. I've given him every knife on the (laughs) planet. So I had to find other things. And so one of the things I used to make fun of, you mentioned the mug, I used to think coffee mugs are the worst gift. It's a corporate thing. You know, it's like the water bottle. Now it's like just overdone. And then an artist made a a mug, a $600 mug. They're called Artifact Mugs. Go to artifactmug.com, you can see them. But he carved into it my wife's whole life story of her on the farm with her dad who passed away, like her leg, like what her character traits are. And then he made one for me and he drove nine and a half hours to hand deliver these two $600 mugs. And they're called Jars of Awesome. It's like, it's like a, it's almost like a vase with a lid on it where you put notes in it of like, you know, thoughtful things or awesome things that have happened in your life to remind you of the bad days. You know, like to remind you of what happened, and uh, those things are like twenty five hundred dollars. He hands me like four of these things, and I'm in tears. I, I met him at a restaurant because I was not sure if he was crazy or not. I had no idea who this guy was, and uh, and so we started to source these artifact mugs for even billionaires because even a billionaire is going to drink coffee or tea. Yeah. but but when it's everything that they care about, who poured into them when they're like ten years old? Like we get the intimate story of who they are and carve that into a mug. And I would, I would rather give one of those $600 mugs than a $60,000 watch to a billionaire. Cause he can go buy the watch yeah. and he could give two rips about it. But the mug is almost like winning an award. It's like, it's a like encapsulate who they are and it reminds them who they are. And, uh, and so I love, you know, I use the word artifact because the word gift has been cheapened because people think about swag and promo and trinkets and shot and so when I think of an artifact, I think of giving one thing or a couple of things to people that if their house was on fire, what are the handful of things they would grab? Yeah. And it's usually an artifact. Yeah. It's a photograph. It's it's their dad. You know, the, the flag that that, uh, you know, he served in the, in, the, in the military. It's something that the wife gave a picture like I, I, one of the, my favorite stories is a uh, three kids when their dad passed away, blew through five million dollars of inheritance fighting over a $20 item. Oh. And it was a, har- and it was a harmonica. My, one of my buddies was the, the lawyer who had to mediate this. He, they blew through $5 million. And the reason they blew through it was every day after dinner, the dad played the harmonica for like 30 years. And he didn't put in the will where that harmonica was going to go. Wow! And so they literally fought over it and blew through their inheritance. It's true story. And I'm like, the reason the knives work, the reason the mug works, the reason the leather goods work is when you can weave something into the fabric of somebody's life over, you know, for decades, all of a sudden that, that very insignificant item be, it has all of this meaning based upon what it represents and the memories that it jogs and the, the history. And, and usually people's inner circle gathers, even, you know, 2000 years after the last supper, we still break bread and we still like connect with people over food and beverages in the kitchen. That's like the in, inner circle. Yeah. And so anytime I can connect an item, to that inner circle, into that breaking of bread, that that simple element of humanity, the meaning that gets woven into that is just powerful.
1: So the so the focus so it's not so much as finding. Do you have a clients again? Let's just go to the middle. You know, small business where you're best off to. Are you encouraging people? You know, find a gift like the knives. Find something that you can automate so you can send them out at will. But also be looking for that thing that is going to specifically matter. You're coming back to relationships. Know the process. Classic sales. Go in there. See what their thing is. Figure out what their gig is and try to find something powerful that's going to impact them personally.
0: Impact them in their inner circle. One of our core 10 principles of giftology is it's one thing for you or I to get something because we get things. We travel. We get nice things all the time. That you, you, people they get the worst side of me being in business and traveling and speaking on big stages is my wife, my my team and my assistants, yeah. my kids and my pets. So if somebody wants to get to me, they could invest a hundred dollars into me, or they could invest a dollar into my wife or to my assistant. And so a lot of the gifts, the reason we do the knives and the mugs and the different things that that tie in to somebody's inner circle, because if I can if I can engage that person, they become the internal advocate they become my internal champion. Like I've landed massive deals, not because I was a good pitch person. It was because their wife was like, Hey, have you started working with John yet, do you, have you read giftology yet? Like you got to go have dinner with this guy. Like the, when you can honor the people around them, yeah. that's this, that's one of those special concepts that most people are like, Oh, the guy likes bourbon. The guy likes cigars. The guy likes golf. Who cares? Everybody, everybody knows he likes that. And he already has it in 10, you know, 10 times 10. So, so oftentimes the artifact, including the family in that inner circle, is where you get some significant mileage. And my other thing is, like, find things that most people go really cheap. Like, that's why we have metal business cards and metal letterhead. Most people spend the least amount possible on those things. I spend $9 on my letterhead. It's a sheet of steel. And so I love taking something like a, a portfolio that most people would spend 10 bucks on from China. I'll spend $200 on it. I'll give it to somebody. And it's oftentimes worth more than the $3,000 watch. Because it's a category of an item that most people have really cheap. And mm-hmm. I go all in and go and get best in class. And so the idea mm-hmm. of taking a very simple artifact, I call practical luxuries. And you go all in on a practical luxury. Um, now people, it's their favorite one. And they'll actually use it versus it just being, like most people have enough stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but we all have room for best in class of the one item we use every day.
1: It's just so convicting. It's common sense that is just not common anymore. So I'm talking to you. My studio is here in a medical practice that I'm partnered in. And I can't, I could not tell you the last memorable gift or offering of any kind that we got from the Christmas gifts, like you talked about, they're going to send us food that we don't want because we're already eating too much during Christmas time. And here, this is a, a, you know, a wellness clinic and they're going to send us, they'll send us, you know, gluten cookies. None of us eat it. We throw it away literally. And, uh, and yeah. the meals that they bring is just running the mill. And so back to where we started with so easy to stand out. It feels like a duh moment. So easy to stand yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we, we take all of our clients. We, we call it the ten worst gifts to avoid giving. And if if all, all of our sales reps that we talk to, and if they just follow this this white paper, this kind of PDF that we walk through them through, don't do gift cards. That, that's you know people say it's the thought that counts. It's the thoughtful thought that counts. So mm. like your gluten cookies, like they're actually spending money to have a negative thought in your head absolutely. about them. Absolutely, absolutely. That sticks. They're like that. This person doesn't know me. They don't right. care about me. Same thing with a with a gift card. It's like basically, I don't know you, I don't, I don't care about you. You're not worth my time. Here, go buy your own gift. Yeah. And so if they would, if people would just avoid, I don't know if you're, I'm a giftologist. I'm going to give a gift. If they want to go in and, and read the ten gifts, they yeah. can download it for free at thegiversedge.com. But it walks. It's the exact same thing that we walk the Cubs through or anybody, any of our other clients. And uh, it's not none of it's rocket science. But you're going to go on there and you're like, oh my, most people go on and they're like. John, how did you know this is the 10 things I send out the most often? (laughs) And it, and it, it freaks some people out, but then they're like, you know, at least I can change and start doing things differently Mm -hmm. um, because they're now aware of it.
1: The giver's edge. Okay. I just pulled it up and I, I, it starts off. Stop sucking at strategic gifting. (laughs) It's it's just, I got to go there. It was literally going to be one of my questions. What are some of the worst gifts? Now you talked about gift cards. I'm not even going to go there. So folks go there, go to, uh, uh, okay. What was the URL again? Uh, the, 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 gi- givers, the, givers the Givers Edge, edge. dot com yeah. and uh, and I also went to the Artifact Mug while you were talking about it's brilliant. I, I gave him my name and number while we're talking here. So uh, great, great resources. Well, again, so you know, to to if you want to get involved, go to the Ruling Group R U H L I N group. I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna get set up because I do want some. I'm gonna I'm gonna start I'm gonna to talk to my assistants and, and my partner and just figure out okay some of these folks we're gonna go after figure out what is their magic sauce. I mean if the guy loves golf can we do a custom golf club can do we do whatever. But also to have some online I'm gonna do the knives. I'm gonna set up right there and have those on to where at a moment's notice while I'm at lunch with somebody I can text it in or do however the system works and have this to them immediately and wow them. I mean it's just it's just, just brilliant. There, there, there's, it's only a win-win.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, the um, it, it's we try to keep it as simple as possible. People are like, yeah. "Hey, where's my catalog of ten thousand things?" And I'm like, "We just we try to keep it simple, narrow it down to the best things, the things that we know that work, that, that include the family, the inner circle, and yeah. and uh, execution is the big part of it. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have good ideas. But if you don't actually do it on a consistent basis, then, you know, like you're not going to get the results that you're looking
1: for. Well, it's so fun, too, because I'm thinking about some people and how can I go past them, figure out what their wife does. And we're in this age of social media. You can go find their Facebook group, their Twitter group, whatever, figure out what their family's into, their spouse, wife, husband, whatever. And uh, and wow them. It's, it's just brilliant. That's why we wanted to have this conversation, John. Um, thank you. And thanks for for doing this. It is exciting. It sounds fun cuz who who doesn't want to give a good gift that blesses somebody? And yeah, we all know reciprocity happens. Um but I love your long-term vision of it as well. It's about loving people. Uh bottom line, which can't get any more ziggler-esque than that. And thank you so much for just spending the time and bringing us this message that we can all benefit from right now.
0: Thanks for having me. This has been a blast.
1: Well, there you are, friends. A great opportunity to go out Be radically generous with your relationships. Again, get John's free gift in his free download, The 10 Worst Gifts to Avoid Giving Key Clients at thegiversedge.com, thegiversedge.com. And connect with John and all he has to offer at johnrulin, r-u-h-l-i-n.com. Of course, folks, if you got value from the show, will you please let John know? leave a review in itunes for the ziggler show and mention john and the value you got from the show thank you so much for doing so Well, coming up next in show 624 we hear a clip from zig ziggler on the power of words from the message that he gives that you'll hear i posted this question on my facebook page when and how is it okay to speak negatively about another person And folks, every response was just profound. We saw a lot of different sides. And Tom Ziegler and I talked through uh, this really in-depth. I think we've really covered the most powerful ground on this topic. Uh, It's significant. I, I really would ask you not to miss this one. It is just beneficial for life. I want my whole family to listen to it. I'll be promoting this one a lot to everybody. Well, folks, till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.